in high school, I had always had um, a boyfriend and I would move, um, not move on, but I would always have an interest in someone else. And my way of thinking, the way that's been taught to me was break up with this person I really care about so that I can go on a new adventure and, and find out if there's an interest here. And there were so many times I separated from different people that I still really cared about um, to go on a new adventure and it just didn't feel right and it was actually it was heartbreaking a lot of the times. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Well, welcome to episode 290. We are Finn and Emma, and today we talk with Anne and Charles. This conversation is powerful. They come from very different backgrounds, but we weave together their backgrounds, their current relationship. They weave together kink dynamics, polyamory, folding that in with the kink, and discussing partner loss. Yeah, this is an amazing conversation. It's almost sort of three parts to yeah. it, and but they flow beautifully together. So a couple of things up front that we wanted to mention. Part of their dynamic is what they refer to and what is referred to as the DDLG and CGL community. And they're going to talk more about this, but just for anybody who's not familiar with those acronyms, that is Daddy Dom Little Girl and caregiver little. And so they're going to talk more about what those mean to them and how they live that out in their day-to-day lives and how they weave it into their relationship. I think the other part is polyamory mm-hmm. is a big part of this. It's not just kink and it's not just polyamory. They've found a way to weave those together in a really beautiful way. And they yes. talk about that. And then the last part that Emma, you said was around the loss of a partner. And this is sort of the 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 last third of our conversation. And I we wanted to give a sort of a, a trigger warning up front here. That part of the conversation is sort of confined to the second or to the last third. Mm-hmm. And so you're if if this is something that maybe you're also dealing with and you're not ready to confront that, it doesn't come up for about the first 40 minutes around the 38 minute mark of the interview itself. So I don't know how long this intro got, mm-hmm. but roughly 38 minutes into the conversation, there's a point at which it's very clear I ask if it's a good time to transition into that conversation. So that would be a great time if you're not ready to listen to something that is pretty hard pretty hard stuff to face, that would be a great time for you to tune out. And we just wanted to make sure that was known up front. There's there's nothing really graphic or anything that happens, but it is some very intense emotional conversations that we're actually really, really grateful to Anne and Charles for being able to come on and, and talk about it at all. It's it's absolutely beautiful and incredible. Yes. Anne actually reached out to us wanting very much to share this part of her story, all of it. But this was incredibly important to her because there are, she found, there's not very many resources, if any, out there talking about losing a partner in a polyamorous dynamic and losing a partner to death, not, not a relationship breakup. So um we just thank both Anne and Charles for this beautiful, vulnerable, deep conversation, and we're looking forward to sharing it with all of you. Yeah. 
And so with that, we're going to move into the interview for anybody who is a premium subscriber. For the rest of you, we have a couple of short announcements here, and then we'll jump right in. If you're not familiar with a premium subscription, you can sign up on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. On the homepage, just scroll down. It's a way to pay as little as $2 a year to skip these announcements up front and support the podcast. But don't worry, you still get important dates in the outro. Yes, absolutely. First announcement beyond the one that you just did, so we'll call it the second announcement. (laughs) I think that's how the numbering system goes. Our virtual community, this is a space that is now occupied by almost 300 members from around the world, and we are so grateful to each and every one of you all. Thank you very much. You all show up every day to support one another, love one another. You share funny photos. You share pictures of your dogs and your breakups and your hikes and your sexiness. All of it. It's all of it in one (laughs) with amazing humans. And so if you're looking for community, if you're looking for your people, we have it on good authority that we think you'll probably find them in there. And we would love for you to join us. It's $5 a month. You get all of the things we just talked about. Plus we have monthly men's groups call. We have a women's group call. We have a virtual Q&A that is for everybody. And we're working on adding new groups all the time. So Please check it out. Our website again, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community tab and you will find out everything you could ever need to know right there. Yes. While you're on our website, you can go under resources and click on the links for stdcheck.com. It's our favorite way to get tested for STIs. Using the links on that page does support the podcast. Thank you very much. It also saves you $10. Exactly. You're welcome very much. (laughs) It saves you $10, making a 10-panel test only $129. SCCheck.com is discreet and simple. It's quick. So just a great way to get tested and know your STI status. One fun fact, the only thing faster than STDcheck.com is how fast Emma says STDcheck.com. <laughs> That's true. I tend to say it quickly. Kind of. <laughs> STDcheck.com. There you go. <laughs> and just double that time, you could have had your 10-panel test for $129. <laughs> Again, uh, links are in the podcast player or in our show notes on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You click on the podcast tab. And just a little bit to the left of that, there's a contact us tab. Yep. And that's how you could send us an email or a voicemail to let us know how much you love us or how amazing you are or that maybe you want to come on the show to share your story or share a similar story or maybe... You have some feedback for us? That too. Yes. So basically say hello and we will say hello back. <laughs> And with that, let's go and talk with Ann and Charles. Well, welcome to the podcast, Ann and Charles. We're excited to talk to you today on this, what is it, Wednesday night. So thank you for being here. Thanks for um, definitely arranging the schedule so we could be here. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, of course. We're, we're super excited. So maybe just let's just jump right in. Who, who are Ann and Charles? Let's start with intros. So I'll start because he's feeling shy. Um, I am Anne. Uh, I am 32 years old. We live in um, Florida over in like the Tampa Bay area. I have been polyamorous. Uh, I've been polyamorous my entire life, but I only was self-aware of what that was in 2014. We met in uh, 2016 
but there's a whole story with that that we'll dive into a little bit later. Um, but we're also a part of the um, DDLG CGL community, which is uh, kind of related back into BDSM, uh, which is Daddy Dom and Little Girl. Uh, okay. So I refer to Charles uh, as Daddy most of the time. So you'll hear me say Daddy a lot. And that does mean this wonderful man next to me. Got it. Perfect. It's your turn. Um, my name's Charles. I've been uh, in the community for about five, six years, give or take. Um, it was a very slow pro- progress of being a swinger, then moving from swinger into polyamory, and then finding this one next to me. Um, and she kind of opened up my world also to the whole BDSM world. I sat here and, and I counted those years. I was like, wait a minute, that means yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then once that opened up my world, or once she opened up my world to that, it just blew my mind, and I was hooked. Um, so it's definitely been an interesting ride, to say the least. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it. Cool. Yeah, we're super excited to hear about it. And and maybe maybe it makes sense then to go back. It sounds like and non-monogamy came into your world sort of first, and you were the. <laughs> You are the catalyst for the both of you. Where where did it come into your life for the first time or how? So in 2014, um, I was young, freshly um, 14. Yes, I am right. In 2014, I was young and freshly married at the time. Um, I had um, just got, I had been in the community for at least two years prior to that. And at one of my um, events, I met a gentleman um, who became my best friend. And he became my best friend so much that we started to develop feelings. And he was polyamorous. So there was this one time in the car when I said, so, and I'd already done my research. So I was, I was just asking to start a conversation. I was like, what is polyamory? And of course, we then sit in the car for hours and we're just talking about what this is. And it's like my entire life had flashed before my eyes. So in high school, I had always had um, a boyfriend and I would move, um, not move on, but I would always have an interest in someone else. And my way of thinking, the way that's been taught to me was break up with this person I really care about so that I can go on a new adventure and, and find out if there's an interest here. And there were so many times I separated from different people that I still really cared about um, to go on a new adventure. And it just didn't feel right. And it was actually, it was heartbreaking a lot of the times. Um, But that's how everything just kind of connected to me. And soon after that, we had started up our relationship. Unfortunately, my um, new partner at the time, my husband, we were very quickly married by the time I moved down here to Florida. And we just we weren't well matched. You know, our relationship ended really just because we were too quick into it. Um, he was a wonderful person. It just didn't work out for us. And I wound up taking this adventure with who was my best friend for the next seven years. And we got married. Um, he is now my ex-partner, my ex-husband as well, <laughs> which is awkward. Um, but that's kind of where I have um, wound up my life here. I hosted um, a bunch of events in our community. I'm a a local, um, I hate the word leader, but a leader of our community. And I do uh, monthly events here where I met um, this one in 2016 prior to getting married to Mm -hmm. my last partner. Me and my ex-wife actually signed your uh, marriage certificate. 
<laughs> they did. They were at our wedding, um, and they both signed as witnesses on our marriage certificate. So, <laughs> wow, I love it. I love it. And just to clarify, and so your your sort of exposure to non-monogamy came through. It sounded like through the kink community. It sounded like you were in the the DDLG community prior to non-monogamy. I actually. Um, so DDLG also came to me in the same uh, the same way. Okay. Um, I started. I've kind of been kinky before I ever knew what it was as well. Okay. And I've always been in the community from the legal age I'm supposed to be, and started um, started as a uh, submissive. Okay. Um, I've always known that I've been on the lower spectrum of that, but this um, my past partner, my ex husband of seven years. Not only did he introduce polyamory to me, but he also one day looked at me and he said, I think you're a little. And I was so offended. I was offended. I was like, no, I'm not. That's that's impossible. Because to me, these were these were people that would walk up to me and, and you know, baby talk me in restaurants when I didn't want to be baby talked or would make me uncomfortable. And then he was like, but you are. And so I started to dive into that and really realize that there are, as there is with kink, there are people who, you know, are worthy of the consents and there are people who aren't as quite mindful of boundaries and things like that. So I do fall into that little, little category, but I didn't really find out the extent of my little until this one. Got it. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah. Okay, so up to this point, we've heard from your story, Anne. Can you bring in Charles to the story and where the two of you met in 2016 and how that that relationship has developed? Or even what you know, what exposure Charles had to non-monogamy prior to yeah. 2016. Yeah, his story is completely different from mine. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Okay, so my story starts out way differently. Um, I had been married uh, for over 10 years to uh, my partner. And one day I had found a radio, uh, like, get-together lingerie party. And we're like, let's try it. Why not? Let's go have fun. So we went to this party, and someone approached my ex-wife. And during that time, we went home and discussed it. And we're like, you know what? Why not? Let's try it. So we had that person, called him up, had him come over, uh, had a blast. It was a wonderful time. And we started talking about, like, we've done this once. Let's start doing this some more. And then we started finding out our local community, um, started reaching out to a swingers club, uh, started basically became lifetime memberships of uh, other websites for swingers. And because when we went, we jumped head first all in. We're going for it. And at that time, uh, we just kept going. And that was probably for about five years. We're off and on, swinging, having, you know, keeping our relationship perfectly good and normal. Um, and then <laughs> well, I. Ended relatively. Up <laughs> relatively. 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 <laughs> um, it was normal for us, anyways. Right, right, right. Um, you know, we'd, we'd have parties, we'd have people come over, we'd go over, you know, to other events and everything like that. Then uh, I'd gotten out of the military. So we had left that area and moved down here to Florida. And at that time, we kind of stopped and slowed down because we're in a new area. We're figuring out our lifestyle. We're trying to get jobs and everything like that. And then in the process of that, my ex-wife found somebody that she really started liking at work. And then she started asking, well, is it okay if he comes over? And we started you know, having fun and playing around. 
then at a certain time, she's like, well, I kind of really like this guy. I'm like, well, I'm not sure how I feel about this feelings being involved, but let's see where it goes. Um, and that was kind of the first real foot that we put into the polyamory world. Um, I didn't even know what it was at that point in time, other than my wife had feelings for this other guy. So we're trying to work it out and things were going well until I had met this beautiful woman over here. <laughs> oh, sweeten me up. Why don't yes. you? Yeah. <laughs> um, Basically, when she started coming along, um, my wife actually introduced us. Okay, together. no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna take over for this okay. one. <laughs> so, um, it was shortly after I had married um, my former husband. They were around back in 2016. We met them at one of my events, and they disappeared for a little bit, but they popped back up in 2018, where we started getting close again. Um, in 2019, they attended our wedding where we told you that, you know, they were the, they signed our marriage license. Yeah. And after um, my wedding, we were in, I was invited with his wife and one of our good friends out to um, Gasparilla, um, a like piratey festival that we hold down here. I went there, uh, not quite knowing where I was going, but like, okay, yeah, let's go. Let's have some fun with this. Everyone got very drunk, and I'm not a big drinker, so I was more of the sober sober one um, for the night. When I help his wife to go to the, to get to the bathrooms, and while we're waiting in line for the bathroom, she starts to talk about her boyfriend, in which I knew nothing about. I was like, "You have a boyfriend?" And she said, "Yeah, Charles knows." She like defended it quick. I was like, "Oh, okay. I didn't know you were open." Um, and she replies, oh, yeah, we're open drunkenly. We're open. Um, and Charles wouldn't mind if I brought either you or her home. And I I sat there and I gave it a good long thought. And I went, hmm, Charles. Hmm. I mean, I guess. <laughs> um, and we were we were too drunk um, to get home. So we got picked up by her boyfriend um, and we were driven back to their house where he tucked us all in for the night. Um, I was in between the two girls and found out that both of them snored extremely loud. And I wound <laughs> up going into the living room. I would I would be turned this way and one would snore in my ear and I would turn the other hey, way. Girl, they, they can't see my hands. I know. And they would... The other one would snore straight in my ear. So I went out to the living room and he was sound asleep on the couch. So I wound up sleeping up all night upright in a recliner. Um, but he woke up in the morning and was very sweet and got me moved to the couch. But then um, everyone finally started waking up and he said, hey, do you guys want breakfast? There was no breakfast food in the house. So he was going to go to the store. So I just kind of perked up real quick, half asleep. I was like, do you want company? And that's when his wife was like, okay, wait, babe, come here. Took him to the other room, explained the situation from last night. And then we awkwardly went on this grocery trip. Which grocery date. Grocery dates for the first time. And it was actually a really good, sweet time, to be honest. I love it. <laughs> it's when we got mimosas. It's when we got mimosas. We, so we're both very, um, we enjoy the stupid. So we, we came back to the house with champagne and this absolutely terrible because we have tried it again. Um, orange pineapple, pineapple orange, soda. Yeah. So every once in a <laughs> while, we'll we'll come into the house with pi pineapple orange soda just to just to say, "Hey, babe, look what I got." <laughs> you, you know, everybody's screaming at their 
radio while well, they're podcast player. Their radio. <laughs> you live in Florida. To not be drinking fresh squeezed Florida orange juice with your mimosas is sacrilege. I don't like orange juice. I just don't like it. Oh my. Okay. I like virgin mimosas. Uh, I have to make him virgin mimosas often. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I'm I'm curious then, like bringing you to to present day, what is your relational dynamic? Well, wait, wait, like what okay. happened after? What happened after the grocery date? We That's gotta- a good point. That's a good point. I skipped some steps. <laughs> oh, and th- th- those are the most important steps. Go ahead, babe. Um, well, I may have ghosted her like five or six times. Oh no. Um, we were we were trying to get into a relationship between. Us, but my ex-wife was very like at first she was very for it, but then she started getting having issues of jealousy and starting having uh, just a lot of you know issues of me being with somebody else. Similar to how Charles was feeling about well, you are having feelings for this guy. I'm not sure she started having the same. You have feelings for her. I'm not sure, um, and I don't think she handled them quite as well as. Um, he did. Yeah, because she was still in a relationship with her uh, boyfriend at the time. And that's one of the reasons I was like, if you're going to have a boyfriend, then I should be allowed to have a girlfriend, not just, you know, play partners. So it started growing from there. And she started talking to me about it. And about four or five times I ghosted her uh, <laughs> baby girl because I was trying to save my marriage at the time. It was a choose me or her. It was you're never allowed to talk to her again. And then it kept coming back up. Well, I still have feelings for the baby girls. So why do I... There was even a point in time where it was, well, you can have a girlfriend, but it can't be her. It can't be that one. You, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it started going back and forth about that. Um, then eventually she ended up with the whole COVID thing coming out. She uh, ended up moving out of the house and in with her boyfriend. And then during that time, I basically realized, you know, we're separating. It's not going to work. Um, I continued about my life as normal. And then this lady reached out to me one day asking me <laughs> if I needed to shop. Or no, asking me how, or uh, she showed me some link about polyamory and about, you know, ways of communication. And then I started describing, you know, me and my my ex-wife were not together anymore. uh, And that, you know, I had a motorcycle at the time and I needed help going (laughs) shopping for toilet paper. So I'm going to, I'm going to back him up for just a second. So right after we had separated, I had a lot of a lot of heartache and a lot of um, heartbreak because he was one of my um, first true polyamorous um, successful with my ex partner um, that I had had. So when I found out that we really care about each other and we want to be together, but it's a forbidden love and we're not allowed to be, it it was heartbreaking. Um, so I struggled after him. Um, seven months almost to the date, I finally started being more comfortable. I had been talking to someone and um, I met um, my uh, my late partner. Uh, his name is Jason. And I met him um, on my very first date. The very seven months later, my very first date, I'm finally over this guy. Let's start with a new guy. This one pops up out of nowhere after the the second ghosting. Hi, 
on my phone as I pick it up in the middle of my date, um, which I just found to be ironic. Um, and then I think a couple of days afterwards, I had replied to him and I shared to him this Facebook group that I had been on that was how I, how I met Jason. Cause I was like, this is a really successful Facebook group. It has resources. It has meet and greets. It, it really connects you with people and knowledge that can, can help them. So I sent him the link and I said, Hey, if you guys are still trying, um, you don't have to, you know, talk to me. You don't have to, you know, communicate or engage with me, but I really think you should give this a try. Um, and that's when he replied to me that, you know, she left um, with her partner uh, out of state at this point um, and, and kind of left him behind. Um, and this is when he bribed me to come see him. <laughs> I only had a motorcycle at the time. So <laughs> getting toilet paper and paper towels is really hard with just a motorcycle. Just one so, roll at a time. Uh, Especially in 2020. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly so what it was. I had her meet me up at a Walmart. And uh, we were running around there, and I spent way more money than I needed so, to. So walking into Walmart, I, I had put at least a five-foot gap between us because I was like, there's no way I'm, I'm going to walk next to this guy. He already hurt me enough. I'm not doing it. Um, we go inside. I'm only here to help. I'm only here to help. This is what I'm telling myself. We go inside, and he walks down every single aisle in Walmart, every single aisle. At, at some point, I catch on. I'm like, this idiot, he doesn't need that. He doesn't need that either. And he's just throwing these random things in the car. And I'm like, you know, we're going to just go with this. We're going to see how this plays out. Um, <laughs> and at the register, he find, he gets his bill. And I'm like, is he really, is he going to do this? And he does. Um, and that's, <laughs> you know... No, I just spend money to be with you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> not not on you, but just just to be with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love that, and I I would love to go back, uh, Charles. I had a question for you because something that you touched on, I think, is a question or something that comes up often in the podcast, which is you you got into non-monogamy through swinging, and then somebody got feelings, and that's a conversation that we often hear comes up, which is. Well, we weren't planning on the feelings, but here they are. Now, what do we do? And I'm curious how how you or how you and, and your wife at the time sort of adapted to that, because it sounds like you maybe struggle with that a bit. Um, yes, very much at the very beginning, I, I struggled with it uh, when she started having feelings for her uh, boyfriend and everything. But at, as we kept spending time together and going out and doing things together, it became more of uh, this is an all right guy. Um, he was somebody I didn't mind spending time with. Even when uh, my ex wasn't there, we would still get together and go out and go shoot some pool or have a beer or something along those lines. It took a little bit of time of warming up, but it became to a point to where I was like, this guy's an okay guy. I don't feel as if you know he's here to try to steal her away from me or anything like that. And we started having you know, great times together. We all went on a cruise together, which was really funny because at one point in time, people came up and was like, are you with both? Or, yeah, sharing is caring. Um, yeah, it was a whole thing. But it just took a little while to come to the fact that the feelings that she was having for him didn't take away from the feelings that she had for me. Um, and once yeah. I kind of learned and got over that hurdle, it became a lot easier. 
Um, and I think that's the hurdle that when I started having feelings for somebody else, she couldn't get over that hurdle of knowing that I still cared about her and wanted to be with her and this new person um, is, I think, one of the things that ended up breaking us apart. Yeah, that makes sense. And it sounds like one of the, for you, the big fear was some version of this person is here to steal her. And it sounds like for you, just getting to know that person and sort of befriending them was enough to help you be like, oh, this isn't a competition. It's it's a we're supporting. It's a it's a both and type. Yes, because we would we would all get together. We would all work together at each other's houses, um, you know, in general maintenance, you know, painting up the house, uh, stuff like that. So it was that working together is basically a team that definitely helped me overcome the idea of he's trying to steal her away or, you know, he's going to take her and run off or something along those lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. I know that my next question is going to skip a whole bunch, but I was wondering if you two could kind of discuss your dynamic today and where that's at. Yeah. So our dynamic has definitely um, built over time. Back when we first started dating um, for that brief amount of time, Charles had let off um, a very dominant energy for me, to which I think I kind of, I didn't vocalize, but my actions kind of said it all and expressed to him. And we, we started, we started a little bit with just like play. We started with, um, doing, doing more of, you know, uh, we had a rule at one point that was, um, I can't open my own doors. Our rules were, I couldn't, um, I couldn't touch door handles. I couldn't open my own door. He would come around and he would have to open the door for me. It was very like DS dynamic, um, is how we started, um, I could see that he's a little shy, but when we started getting back together in 2020, 2021, this is when um, he was able to really express more feelings, I think, in my opinion. Um, This is when his former wife had left, and I think he was trying to embrace a little bit more and learn all of me, not just part of me, because I had already been a little, um, at least knew that I was in some capacity a little before that, and he started kind of throwing out his bait to um, get a little bit more of my little out. And can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I totally think that you're correct. You're completely (laughs) avoiding the actual question they're asking. I don't think I am. (laughs) They're asking about what our dynamics are now. But how did we get there? So our dynamics (laughs) now are that I have a boyfriend as well. Um, we've been kind of off and on seeing each other for about two years now. Mm-hmm. And might be our lifestyle dating mix. Which one did you guys want? Did you guys want like our part, like our polycule or our partners or like the dynamic between just, just yeah, sort of uh, whatever it looks like today. All, like all of the above, I guess. <laughs> and Cause I guess, I guess for us, dynamic means two different things. There's yes. the, there's the yeah. dynamic in the lifestyle and the dynamic that we could have in. Mm-hmm. I, I always refer to that as that polycule. Like what does what does our polycule or poly family kind of like look like? Yeah. I'd love to hear both. So our polycule basically looks like, um, I have a boyfriend. Um, we've been kind of on and off for about the last two years, give or take. And I've had, you know, a couple other partners between, uh, then, but nothing that really, you know, grew into anything major. They're like two, three month long relationships that just ended up fluttering out. 
baby girl here has a girlfriend right now that uh, she's spending time with. Yep. So um, as of just recently, I've been able to kind of get back out there. And in February, I started dating a good friend of mine who we we met through a mutual friend from the community as well, who was also already, um, they're also swingers. So they're on their journey of swinging, maybe moving into polyamory as well. I'm kind of their 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 gateway there too, I, I guess, in a way. So I just started uh, seeing her, um, and she has a fiance, a practically already husband, just not quite tied the knot yet. And we do have this this strange the three of us sometimes going on, but not quite sure what it is between the three of us, uh, meaning me and my girlfriend and her fiance but I haven't put a name to it yet. I love it. Yeah. And I know you were talking a little bit about the, like, I think you called it the lifestyle dynamic between the two of you. And just to, to wrap that piece up a little bit, can you just kind of remind us like where you're at right now? Because you kind of went through this, this evolution, like you said. Um, yes, it definitely, the beginning of it started as very uh, DS. Um, I was very much, you know, making the rules and setting the rules. Don't touch door handles. Don't do this. Or you have to do that. And then, well, it became a high protocol, basically. After time, it kind of slowly evolved into, you know, what we are now. Like We still have the protocols. We still have things that we do every single day. Uh, there's still, you know, the the punishments and reward systems that we have in place. It's not as demanding because it's really hard to be high protocol all the time. I think the best way to describe it is, is we are, we are 24 seven. Uh, we do live the lifestyle 24 seven and, and it, it has, it has some, some sprinkles of DS in it, but it's definitely uh, daddy and baby girl. And we're just, we're just, constantly in this you know if he if he stops and tells me to do something if he tells it to me in his daddy voice uh i'm doing it there's there's no questions asked um and we 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 brought in more rules that are now um like i can't curse which are more more kind of flavoring to that that little aspect of being a proper young lady uh things like that along those lines very tender very caring you know, if I need my hair brushed and I'm just not feeling up to it that day, um, he'll remind me to do that or he'll come do it for me. Um, with my recent loss, there have been times where I had in that past year a hard time remembering to get up and shower. And he was there to remind me and and tell me to get out of bed in the morning and go take a shower and go brush your teeth and go take care of yourself. Um, so that very caring um, daddy dom role. Yeah. I want to circle back to and talk about, you, you mentioned your late partner, Jason, and I know that is something that, well, for, for people who, who who aren't part of our email chain, we were actually going to do this interview. (laughs) Everyone else. (laughs) Right. We were going to do this interview along uh, quite a while ago. And then, right. This, you lost your partner and asked to kind of wait until we could do that. And I, and and that is part of what you've expressed that you want to talk about. And so I want to make sure we get there. But are you too open to talking a little bit about the the, the dynamic between you a little bit more for people who aren't as familiar with the, the DDLG community and what that dynamic looks like and maybe why it's not necessarily like 
a codependent or maybe there are like elements of codependency, but they're part of they're part of a bigger dynamic between you two and sort of what that looks like. So, yeah, I would um, love to touch more on um, the DDLG aspect of our dynamic. Um, I think I need to be a little guided with questions mm-hmm. as to as to more into it than anything. Um, really, the DDLG community for me is that, like, I am very much taking care of my baby girl. I'm making sure she's getting up in the morning. I'm making sure that she, you know, she is brushing her teeth. She's taking her shower. She's taking care of herself. Taking my she's vitamins. She's getting her vitamins every single day. And it's a lot of, you know, making sure that she's being taken care of. He makes me drink water, and I don't like water. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and while that, that is part of, you know, the Dom sub aspect of it and DDLG is a little bit different of it. It's the DDLG part of it is not always necessarily sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of the, you know, the Dom sub part, m- most of that has sexual a- aspects to it, but the DDLG is more of a caring role of making sure that everyday life she's taking care of herself. It's a every day, constantly, every minute, making sure she's not doing anything that she might hurt herself with, um, making sure that she's just mentally ready to take on the days, taking the time to say, are you okay with what's going on, making sure she's okay with the relationships she's going through. So speaking on the making sure that I'm okay uh with where I am. So, um, what I go through is, um, similar to subspace. I go through what's called little space. And the way I found out that I was a little, um, by my previous partner was he pointed out these things that I like to do that are very, very, um, child-esque, um, very, um, young hearted, fun loving, um, which is, is a simple, and I, a lot of us like it, um, but it, I just took it to the next level. Coloring, Disney movies, stuffed animals, blankets, being cuddled, having all of these these extra very caring um, caring and nurturing things is, is I think, what, what, has, what puts being me fun. there. And when I get into that little space, I often, I actually recently, after my partner had passed, I had a... Um, friend who entered my bubble and I was very vulnerable in this stage after my partner that, you know, there were certain times when this, this, um, friend of mine was in my personal bubble and I had gone very little and similar to, um, you know, a younger person, they can't always speak for themselves. They can't always, you know, point out their boundaries or, or tell someone, Hey, I don't like when you do that. But they have some. They have a big person there who's there to protect them and to point out and to remind them. Um, we actually, uh, not that he always remembers because this was pretty recent, but we um, we had set up a, a quick code word of uh, baby girl bubble, uh, which reminds me that if I'm in someone else's bubble, that I'm being aware that I'm not too little without kind of their consent in a way, um, or if they're in my bubble and I'm unable to communicate my boundaries that I can, I can come out of, you know, I can kind of get them out of my bubble or he will remove them from my bubble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. And, yeah. And I think sort of my, you, you kind of said like to kind of guide with some questions and I, I think them, I, I appreciate sort of how you two have explained it. And I think the question that it kind of comes up for me is really around and partly because I don't have a lot of knowledge in this space is when when somebody who has 
uh, a daddy or somebody who is a little, if they end that partnership and it seems like that person is almost in many ways sort of guiding their day-to-day life, do you, I guess, is there a risk that you end up sort of very dependent on this person to, to sort of move through the day and that that can create like a, an actual dependency that can then cause issues when the relationship ends? Yeah. So I definitely think that that's possible. I actually, um, so I, I, I spoke on it a little bit before my previous partner had brought out this little, um, and he was my first daddy. And with him came even my first little name. I used to be called Belle um, when I was in little space, which would kind of re- help me get to that little space. And there were a lot of things that I was unable to let him do after separating, um, like brushing my hair. Um, that's, that's something that's very little to me. So when he at one point had a, ha- had a hairbrush in his hand, um, and he came to brush my hair, I was like, no, you can't do that. You know, you're, you can't. So I almost became more independent when I, when I lost my previous daddy, just like, you know, when, when you, you move out of the house and you go to college for the first time, you're like, no, I can do it myself. I don't need your help because you're not looking for that next person to, kind of replace them. And in the same way, you're, you're healing from losing, or at least for me, I'm healing from losing that really important person in my life that I needed to take back my independence. So it, it actually made me a lot stronger, I would say, in saying like, no, I can do it myself. No, I don't need you mm-hmm. to. And that's kind of like where he was throwing out his bait, trying to trying to, to let me let me feel safe and little again, which he really did a better job at it took, time, but... it took a lot of time there were several times when he every i would i would start thinking of like oh my god i almost called you daddy and i would put my finger up to let him know like you're getting there um but i wouldn't say it i could not say the word and i think we got to like 12 one day of just he's just doing things that are very daddy like and I, it's like i'm not gonna say it you're not getting that word out of me absolutely not um and one day it just happens. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. I love that you like embraced the journey of that too, mm-hmm. that you didn't force anything until it felt natural. Yeah. That's yeah. been the story of our life. Honestly, we, um, I'm also collared. It, it still comes with our, a bit of our, our DS dynamic, our, our collaring. I have, um, I'm, I, I have more collars than I think the average sub does. Um, I have a, <laughs> a, a five ring system. Um, and we started very slowly. I had, um, I have uh, slave anklets on. Uh, it started there, and then it moved into like, well, you know, I'm, I'm feeling very secure in in our relationship. I'm feeling, you know, you're not going to ghost me again. Um, I'll go, <laughs> I'll go ahead and get the the bracelet cuffs next, and and then we eventually worked our way into the the one around my neck, which is of course the the most important one um, for us. I love it. Yeah. And I think, as Emma said, too, like that it, it wasn't, uh, hey, I'm here. You're now this. It was, hey, we're both here. Let's see what this becomes for the two of us. Yeah. And, and that's a that's a pretty amazing journey to go on. 
Yeah, part of our uh, dynamics have always been the open communication um, of sitting down, discussing the needs of each other. Um, we actually set up a contract uh, that we have for our poly relationships and uh, for each other. And, yeah. um, like the poly relationships, it, it covers a lot of basic stuff of don't lie, always be honest, uh, STD check before having sex with other people. If you're going to have you know sex with anyone else, let the primary people, not necessarily primary, but let the people you know are in a relationship, let them know you're having sex with other people. So that way mm-hmm. everyone can stay as safe as they possibly can. And then we have our own contract between each other. Like she's very asexual. So in my contract, I make sure that, you know, I put it in there. I'm like, I want to have sex at least, you know, once a week. So that way I can always go back to it and be like, hey, you signed up for this. You gave this up to me, and this is where it is in writing with your signature. But I I also want to say for anyone listening who hasn't experienced the BDSM lifestyle, and yes, I know I'm wearing collars and cuffs, but a big part of it is the negotiation. We talked about our contract. I put input in our contract. There were several times I erased things off of the contract. I was like, nope, I don't agree to that. Absolutely not. Um, And and we got to it to where it worked for us for sure. Some that we yeah. grew into, and we definitely both and it's agree and on. we all it's always changing. You know, sometimes we get to we haven't changed it in a while, but there have been times where we've had to go back and be like, you know, maybe we just have to reword the way that says so that we're not setting ourselves up for failure. Yeah, I, I think that's amazing that what you just said there too around that it wasn't Charles delivered this contract and and you signed it against your will. That was. Uh, a negotiation that you two landed on that works for both of you. And I think, as you were saying, like for people who aren't necessarily part of this, that community, that that may not necessarily be a given. And so I really appreciate you, you touching on that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Is, it a, is it a good space or a good time maybe in the story to sort of talk about Jason and, and your experience? I know that is, again, as you've kind of talked about something that, that is important to you to discuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as we as we talked about a little bit earlier, um, it might bring a couple of tears to my eyes. Um, but as one of my girlfriends have told me is, you know, the body lets tears go to help the healing process. So I'm absolutely up for talking about it. It's actually a big reason why I had reached out to you. You know, we had this kind of planned about a year ago, if not a little longer, um, prior to the loss of my partner. And I needed, I needed my journey for healing. Um, but during that process, there, there's no resources. There's no resources for how does it feel when you're polyamorous and you have multiple partners, but one of them passes away? How does it feel? Um, and that was something that I struggled with. And, and there's a lot of guilt that goes with it. There's a lot of, um, a lo- there's a lot of emotions that um, I felt so to kind of dive into my relationship with Jason a little bit. Um, We met back in 2019, uh, late October, and we were together until um, mid-2021, which is going to sound a little strange. But what had happened was we had a solid dynamic, a solid relationship. I met him through a Facebook page that he was in a group, he entered the group from his ex-wife, 
who had tried to get them into polyamory, but unfortunately, behind the scenes, she was not being ethical. Uh, she was cheating. So they wound up separating. And he, I don't know if he forgot to leave the Facebook group or if he just kind of stuck around to see. Um, but I made this one post one night that I was bored. He commented on it. We just kind of clicked and talked for a couple of months before I was ready to actually get out there and meet people. And we were together for quite some time. But what he what he soon learned when Charles and I reconnected again was that he, while he really wanted to be polyamorous, he was not polyamorous and he was monogamous. And he loved me so much that he was willing to go through hell and back for me. And he did. He did several times. He was a very monogamous person and he didn't want to be for me because he wanted me in his life. And he knew that this was something that was a part of me that can't be erased. This, this wasn't something that can go away. So I had separated from him, honestly, about September, September of 2021. But he was still there every day. He was there um, every day after we separated. We were working on a friendship. We were working on being together. At that point, my um, I have I have small children, and he kind of became a daddy figure for them. They actually chose to call him Daddy J, um, and it was absolutely sweet. And so we were together, and we were working on everything. And just before he passed. Uh, we came together again in a romantic relationship. Um, so we were back together again um, romantically after um, we went we went out on a um, a family vacation in December of 2021. And we were all together. It was Charles, myself, Jason, and our kids, uh, my mom, my dad, um, and we had kind of rekindled everything. We, um, he was my new year's kiss. Um, and daddy knew that he was going to be my new year's kiss before I even told him, he said, you're going to kiss Jason for new year's, aren't you? And I said, it's supposed to mark, um, you know, good luck for the, the year. I'm absolutely going to kiss him. And, and he said, and you want to kiss him first, don't you? And I said, well, yes, I do. <laughs> and he was absolutely okay with it with some parameters. Um, uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's when we, we got back together again on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. And then in, um, 24, 25 days later, um, January 25th of 2022, we were doing great. The day before we had had a date night at my house, we had watched Encanto for the first time. We shared this hysterical laughter at some moments um, and things were really great. And uh, the, the next day he was supposed to come out to my event, the, the one that I host in our community. And he sent me this long message that said, Oh my God, babe, I forgot. Um, I swear I'm not flaking. On. And it, it was, I mean, it was a novel. It was like three, three novels in, in one text. Cause he often forgot or he was often late places. Um, and we just, you know, we just said, like, it's okay. I absolutely love you. You know, I'm going to see you tomorrow. No problem. And he told me that I'd be super proud of him, you know, that day. And he can't wait to talk to me later. Um, and after the event, um, I get a text message from a mutual friend. And she says, hey, have you heard from Jason? Um, 
And this is the part where the struggle starts to really happen. Um, I hadn't heard from him. We have an app, which if I can do a bit of a shout out for that, um, it's called the Life360 app. Um, so it helps with GPS location on um, partners and people, and you can start little groups on it. And we had that app. And so I, I signed into it when he wasn't picking up my calls or my texts, and it showed him at a hospital. And so we drove up to the hospital together. They brought me into a room off to the side, and they asked me for a picture of my boyfriend. And then they they gave me the bad news. And he, of course, immediately tried to come in for a hug. And I, I pushed him away. I, I didn't want him to touch me. I didn't want, I didn't want anything. I didn't want anyone to touch me. And I, the guilt that came from that, from being in this, this little room in a hospital with my boyfriend, while they're telling me my boyfriend is no longer here. I, I felt, I felt judgment. I felt guilt. I, I felt sadness. I felt just crumbled down into this this, this terrible human being almost in, in a way of, oh my God, what are you going to do now? Like what, what is happening? This can't be real. Um, I might need help with questions cause I'm going off. No, you're, I mean, we're just listening as I can't imagine. Yeah. No, that, that moment, like the, the moment, right. That is a worst nightmare moment, right. That, you get news and you you don't know what to do in that moment other than to react with how your body is reacting. I guess the hard part for me about all this was here I am trying to be there for my baby girl and she's kind of pushing me away because she doesn't want me to be there to help her go through this trauma. And it's one of those things where I have to start dealing with, okay, I'm being rejected a little bit mm -hmm. because of this massive situation. You know, she just lost her partner. She lost a man that she loves. And it becomes very difficult over the next actual few months of slowly working into talking and, you know, her sitting on her phone for hours. Um, watching if, I, if I can, I even want to, um, go back a little bit. So we are, um, we're out to everyone that we know. Um, so, so we're Jason and I, so my parents know Jason's parents knew, um, your mom knew, um, everyone in our, our, our life know, knew, um, and Jason's mom from the get go of him calling her and saying, Hey mom, you know, I've met someone. Um, but here's the thing. She's polyamorous. Um, to this day, she has said, she has said, do you know how many times I told that boy, I'm sorry, what? You're not polyamorous. You're the most jealous person I know. Um, and, um, you know, when, when we separated, she was there and she was always, she was always there for Jason to talk to. Um, and she never, um, she never met Charles. Um, so that day in that hospital, I, I, I pull myself together for a quick moment and I go, Oh my God, I have to call his mom. And so I get my phone and I call and Jason's stepdad picks up and I'm saying, you need to, you know, you need to come here. No, you call, you call. I'm shouting in the background. You call. It's still a blur sometimes. 
He calls, he grabs my phone, he finds the number, he calls, he's on speakerphone, and he's saying, you need to get here um, right now. And his stepfather is saying, um, I don't remember what he's saying, but I am shouting in the background and Charles is trying to get me to to not, and I I just can't help but keep repeating, he's gone, he's gone. Um, And that's, that's another big part is when, Jason's mother came into the room and they had never met Charles before. And now I'm, I'm pushing Charles away even further. I'm like, I, his mom can't see me with you. I, I can't do this. Like, no, I, um, and that was a big, a big part at that moment, um, in the hospital for me too, if you didn't already know. But I made sure that I got you home and also got her home as well. Yeah. After the fact, uh, cause she had driven up there. So I made sure to follow her home to make sure because uh, she lived down the road, maybe five or six miles. But I made sure to follow her to make sure that she was in the right, not the right state of mind, but she made it back home without, you know, having an attack or, you know, crying or something along the way. So that way I'd be there to help her. And later yeah. on, she appreciated me doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think what just is, I mean, it's an impossible situation for everybody. And, and I know Charles, like you kind of chimed in earlier and said like, what, what was hard for me? And I just, I just want to say like, from my side, that wasn't like, Oh, the Charles was the person who really struggled here. Right. But I think it's something that people don't think about. And, and Emma and I have gone through a very different version of this, but watching the other person, you know, take a break or have conflict with a partner or, feel that sense of loss and you you have this moment of well i'm not everything she's upset or they're upset and it's maybe not because of me and not only not because of me but there's there's almost nothing i can do other than just be here because it's not about me even like the pushing me away or pushing you away it's it's not about you at all it's it's completely about that person what they're going through but there's no, there's nobody that ever explains that frame of reference. Like, and, and there's very few people who ever talk openly about going through a situation like this. And so I just, I have a ton of gratitude, I think for both of you. Yeah. It's an impossible, horrific situation. And yet it's something that happens in life. Yeah. So I know that's, um, he definitely went quiet on me. Uh, I wasn't talking a whole lot either. Um, there were, uh, I don't know how many days I, for the next couple of days, I just laid in his house in his bed. I didn't want to go home and he was really great about that. And I would just sit on my phone all day, all night. And I would watch videos of, uh, me and Jason and rewatch, um, messages and text messages. And I was consumed by it. That was one of those things that, I, I wanted to make sure, you know, she had her time to grieve, but it was also the time of I need to slowly start pushing you to get out and to get back into the world a little bit. And to eat was one of my big things is that she had gone almost three days with no food or water, um, or, water or anything. So it was at that point in time, I was like, look, I, I know you don't want to, but. I, I have to start forcing you to eat. And so I would take her and she would eat two fries 
or something like that. And I mean, as long as I was getting something in her stomach, I w- that was a win for me. It was very the little small things of just trying to help her readapt and to accept the new world of with, without Jason being in it. Um, and it was a very long and slow process, but you know, even a process we're still going through today. Of course. I would have to say. Yeah. 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 I, I just, again, both of you, thank you. And I, I, I know you kind of said like guiding with some questions, but I don't even, I think just wanting to give you the space to talk about this and, and, and trials of whatever, whatever parts of this you want to share, right? Because this is what we talked about a little before starting to record was that you said like you wanted to be the start of resources for people um, because you, you weren't able to find any and, yeah. At, again, at what level and what pieces make sense for you to share? Yeah, absolutely. Please do. And, and and don't feel like you have to share anything that you don't want to. It's, this is your space. I'm pretty open to talk about everything because like we were saying, there's there's honestly, there's nothing. Um, I would search many, many hours to try to find anything that could give me a peace of mind of what I'm going through. Um, and the only thing that I ever got close was widow podcasts and in widow podcasts it talks about how you know you lose your one partner they don't they don't they don't touch on on the aspect of the polyamory that we have about having someone else there for you they talk about the loneliness and the depression and and you still have those you i still had all of that even though i have this person by my side who's there and caring for me making sure i eat because i i went I went some time uh, not eating. Um, you know, no, nothing describes the the pain you have, and then when you have this person who wants to hug you, but it's not the person in that moment you want to hug you. Um, the pain that comes from that, the pain that comes from waking up in the morning next to your partner who who you love. I love I loved them very equally something about us is I don't believe in hierarchy. So they were both my primary partners. They were both my people. Um, and I love them extremely equally and being, being hurt by waking up every day. Um, the guilt, the guilt that I felt from hurting him with my own feelings was there. The guilt that I felt somehow hurting Jason in the beyond because I'm waking up in his bed. It was there. Um, there was guilt around every corner. There was guilt of, you know, Jason's family members who didn't understand polyamory. And here I am attending the funeral with my partner. And it was just, there were times where I just wanted, I just wanted to run and hide. I didn't want to be anywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's what I tried to find the resources for. I wanted to find out, you know, there's got to be something. I can't be the first polyamorous person to have lost a loved one to to death. I, I just can't be. I, You know, we talk about heartbreak. We talk about breakups and how severe those are. And this is just this, this, this extra step from what I've never heard before. And that's a big reason why I reached back out because I think it was pretty close to um, his anniversary of his death. And I was just sitting there going like, you know what? I still can't find anything and I want to talk about it. I need 
people to know they're not alone. I need, you know, these people who are feeling guilty to know that the guilt is misplaced. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, and again, I don't, I don't want to in any way equate when I was saying earlier, you know, Em and I witnessing each other going through a break or a breakup to be the same because it's, it isn't nowhere even close. And I, I think to your point that, yeah, the, you know, you don't even think about all the different levels of guilt, the guilt you say, right. That you felt with Jason, that you were maybe still with Charles or yeah, you're showing up to a funeral with a partner. And there's just so many things that are against the grain that nobody, there's no book, there's no manual. I mean, frankly, there's not a whole lot of manuals out there for how to handle losing somebody in your life anyway. And then you, you add this twist and it's just impossible. Yeah. And that's, um, I honestly didn't start feeling, um, really the, the, the release of this guilt, um, until recently, uh, Jason's mother had maybe three months ago, um, given me a phone call and she said that, you know, I just had this dream. I just, I was told that, you know, I have to call you. I have to talk to you today. Um, and she called me and we sat on the corner of this couch on the phone with her for four hours. And for the first two hours of the conversation, it, it was the pleasantries. It was the, you know, how's it going? What's new? Things like that. And at some point in the middle of it, she asked, so my sweet girl, what is going on? And at some point she said in the way that I then answered her, she realized that I wasn't I wasn't at this point sad at his passing or guilty about his passing. I was sad, guilty, angry, and, and just beating myself up. Um, and it, it didn't come until, cause there was a lot of, there was a lot of regret in our, our situation where I had separated from him in September. And after he passed away, I was beating myself up. It was, oh my freaking God, you could have kissed him more. You could have hugged him more, slept with him more. You could have, you know, he was also my daddy. Um, and you could have, you could have called him that. There was this one time when he was in Charles's home, um, helping us paint the wall. And I had looked up to him and I was about to ask him something. And I, I stopped myself because I almost called him daddy because I was feeling so good in him coming over and being in our family that I looked over at him and I, I gave him the same symbol that meant I was about to call him daddy. I was like, and kind of, kind of saying like, it's coming back. Like this is, this is, this is a great feeling, but I never said it. I never got to call him daddy again. I never got to, to do these things with him. And this was the, the guilt, um, that had been crushing me. Um, I felt judgment from his side of the family who didn't understand what polyamory was. I felt that, you know, they, they thought, you know, what's with this, you know, floozy who's now on the arm of another man. And it just really beats you down and puts you down. And when you start thinking that these things could be true is when it, it just captivated my whole world. I couldn't, I think I'm still coming back from it a little bit, but his mother had said on the phone, he said, um, she, she had said to me, look, the blame is not on you. And she reminded me, she said from the very first day, Jason called me and said, Hey mom, 
I've got a girlfriend and she's polyamorous and so am I that she said if he had been honest with you from the get-go that he is not polyamorous he is not monogamous you guys would have had a wonderful friendship and it would have gone from there and I think just having his mom in a way tell me that it's okay it it really it really let a lot of the the guilt and the pain from the separation from monogamy versus polyamory from me if if I'm making sense no thank you so much for for sharing you you are making sense and I think you know I I can't remember if this was actually said in the podcast but Jason um passed away from a car accident correct yeah so he actually um he had lost his car the month prior um to a woman running a stop sign and then a month later um, he was on a moped and a gentleman ran a stop sign and oh. hit him on the moped. Oh, wow. Um, that's awful. Uh, to say the least, I have not ran a stop sign in a long time. Uh, yeah. They Even we, looking at stop signs every now and again makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a reminder that uh, they're there for a reason. <laughs> um, a very, very important reason. Uh, but... I just wanted to validate what you were saying of the, the feeling that, you know, you mentioned that I don't, you don't have guilt over his passing. It's, it's the way you showed up from my understanding, the way you showed up in his life was, Hey, this is me. I'm polyamorous. And he attempted to meet you there because he wanted to, but was ultimately not like that's not where he was at in his like relationship journey. He wanted to like more, he was more monogamous. And so you, the guilt comes from you is like, well, should I have made myself self more monogamous for him? Like I imagine those are some of the questions that have been running through your head. That's, that's absolutely correct. Um, there have even been times now um, where when it came down to almost starting my journey into dating again, because, you know, my daddy has a partner and sometimes he's out and every now and then the last thing I need to be is, is alone in my house when no one else is here staring at my pictures. Cause he's, he's still everywhere in my home it was, you know, I, I, I feel like I have to get back out there, but then I had these moments of, Oh my freaking God, are you kidding yourself? You just lost a partner. Why would you, why would you get back out there? But then my brain would flip in an instant and it would be like, well, you have to get back out there because you couldn't be monogamous for Jason. So how dare you be monogamous for someone else? And it was, I I had this, this huge moment where every once in a while I would look at him and I would be like, would you still love me if I found out I'm now monogamous? And he said to me, exactly, as long as you don't mind, I'm polyamorous, I'll be fine. Um, but then I, w- I would just keep flip-flopping back and forth, shaming myself for any decision I chose um, going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah, which is just like, a, it's such an awful part of that process, right? Like, because you're going through, it's the it's the grief and and the guilt and the shame and cycling on that and which they, you, you've... I'm sure I'm putting words in your mouth, but from what you're saying, like you feel like there is not an option. Like, how do I move forward? How do I move forward and work through all of this? Because I like it, 
sounds like it que- made you question everything. It it made me question absolutely everything. It, it made me wonder if, you know, is, is polyamory really a, a good thing for me? Is it, is this really who I am? Is like, there were some, some strange questions that didn't even correspond to what was happening, but my, my brain was just so jumbled from everything that was in it and going on. And anytime I even made a match with another human being. I'm telling you, I can be mad at this man next to me as long as I want for the five times he ghosted me prior to Jason. But I can't <laughs> tell you how many matches I have made on OkCupid, Facebook dating. Um, and, and I've I've maybe spoken one line to them and it didn't speak again. I, I'm so, so many people, um, being a woman on dating sites, you match with a lot of people. And I have definitely ghosted a a huge share of, uh, the dating pool that I was in. Um, to this point, I actually now on dating sites, I, my profile says, um, I come with a warning label and that's really (laughs) all it says. And I, it says, you know, if, if you match with me, you know, let, let me know that you read this and I'll send you my warning label. And I'm almost, I'm almost pushing them away now. I'm almost like, look, if you can't handle that, ultimately I am a widow. Um, and I'm, I'm struggling with, with this, then you can't talk to me. And even the people that have gone, you know, have read through this whole thing. And and my, my thing is like, I'm an asexual, I'm a DDLG, I'm a widow. I'm, you know, I've lost my partner and even the people that have gotten through that, and it's 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 a huge list of here's all the reasons why you shouldn't be with me is basically what I'm sending them. And it's crazy. But even the few people that get through and they're like, nope, I make my own mistakes. Let's see where this goes. Even some of them I message a few times here and there and nothing. Or we become friends on Facebook and nothing more than that. Um, and that's that's been where my dating life has kind of led me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I want to say that, you know, you being completely upfront and honest about, Hey, this is what you're getting. It like, to me, there's no other way to do it. Like that's, you want to be on, or you're open to exploring beyond being back on dating apps right now. You're putting yourself out there like this is me. And you're, it sounds like you're going at your own pace that it kind of is what it is and it doesn't have to I think unfortunately so many of us um or just in general society tells us that if well society tells us to be monogamous but if you're going if you're going to be not be monogamous then you must be out there dating like non-monogamy equals dating and that's just so not true. So one of the biggest things uh, we recently saw from um, it was it's a TikTok from the Poly couple, um, and it's one of my absolute favorite ones they have out right now. Is people do have that that thought that you know you must be out there dating, you must you must be having. It's like we're not trying to fill some quota that we you know that we have this unknown number of, of profit we need in our romantic relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can be poly without having multiple partners. Yeah. 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 Which, or, or any partners. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Definitely not true. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I just thank you both for for sharing everything you have today. I, I think the conversation has it's almost been two conversations in one, and I think that they both dovetail into one another really beautifully. And I know this was a really hard conversation to have, Anne and and Charles. And so I just I just really appreciate it, and I hope that it is a resource for people out there, for anybody out there who's who's looking at something like this or facing a loss like this to, to know. Yeah. If, if anyone can uh, be brave enough or ready enough, I will absolutely be listening some more and hope to be not the only one. And I just want people to know that they're not the only yeah. one too. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you for being, for, for being willing and, and to, to come out and share that and be that first person. Like it. Thank you. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, you're definitely not the only person that has experienced this. It's just a matter of no one out there is talking about it. So thank you for, for talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we could probably sit and talk to you too for another hour and a half, but we want, want to be respectful of your time and, and know that we can always have you back on. And, and I hope we do. And so, I mean, maybe giving you the opportunity here is there anything that we didn't touch on again, knowing that we did not complete your whole story, but that, that you wanted to share out into the world before we let you go tonight? So, no, I think, I think we're probably good. I don't think we came in with like a list of these are the topics we must talk about. Um, more so really just to get a little bit of our story out. And then I really wanted that resource or the talking about, <laughs> Uh, the loss in polyamory. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, it's a, I think it's a, it's a process that yours is, is one sort of flavor of it, but it, it can be mapped onto lots of different aspects. And there's so many layers to it, right? It's the family, it's partners, it's metamors, it's future dating, it's yourself. There's just uh, endless levels to it that make it complicated. And I feel for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah charles any other thoughts from from your side before we let you two because i talked the whole no. time no <laughs> <laughs> i told you you're going to talk the whole time yeah uh no um i mean i'm just i hope people out there know that while times do get tough um just to always be there for your partner uh, whether they're pushing you away or not you know to give them the time and space that they need to to grieve and to move through the things and to know that, you know, it's not always, you're not always going to be the one being pushed away and to know that, you know, it, it just takes that time for the people to heal and to be accepting again of having that partner with them again. Um, it just is a part of the journey of moving through those losses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and to, I think, and this is something that, that, I know probably Emma and I have both learned, I can say for myself, I've learned is that it often one of the the hardest things to do can be to support somebody when you're in, in some ways getting nothing in return, right? That it's basically you're providing the support because that person can't provide anything in return and, and it's not a quid pro quo. It's just, that's what, that's what we do sometimes for our partners and the people we love. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Yeah. And it just takes um, the 
the amount of time, you know, I mean, some situations are like, you know, that only takes a couple days, right. you know, situations like this can take months before you finally start getting anything in return in the, in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Patience. Patience is something that, yeah, so important in life, right? <laughs> That's just like such a, um, yeah, like it just, so important. I, I could go on about that and I'm not going to right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again both for coming on and sharing and let's make sure this isn't the last time we talk. Yeah. Yes, thank you again for Absolutely. having us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we're back. Thank you, Anne and Charles, both of you, for everything you shared. This was an incredibly powerful, vulnerable conversation, and we're grateful that you trusted us to get it out there. Yeah. I I can't say it any better than that. Thank you both, and we are eternally grateful for this, to to be a part of this resource uh, and getting it out there. Thank you. Uh, a quick reminder, you can sign up for our community on the community tab of our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And we don't have any other announcements right now. We don't. But we have an announcement about next week's interview. Yes. It's with Sarah. It's with Sarah coming to us from Europe. Yes. Yes. So that's an amazing conversation. Come back and listen next week. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend. Uh, happy June. It's it June, June now. It's June? Yes. Um, That's what happens when we record these ahead of time. I don't know what month it is. Well, it it will be June by the time, like over the weekend. Okay. Yes. Okay. So June is coming. June's coming? Yes. Got it. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) June is coming. Summertime. Yay. Anyway, that's all we got. It's got to be awkward for anybody in the car listening whose name is June. (laughs) And and Emma's just like, June is coming. June is coming. And she's like, hey, man, I'm driving. That's a treat for anybody who hung out to the very end. That was a random thought. Anyway. I try to keep them all internal, but sometimes they leak right out and then they're just out there forever. <sighs> oh, oh so boy. if your name is June, send us an email <laughs> or a voicemail. We'd love Tell to hear from you. Heard you. This. <laughs> and okay. we'll talk to you then. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. We're back again. We are, because we just looked up the calendar for when this is coming out. June is, June is coming tomorrow. <laughs> yes, June is coming tomorrow. <laughs> we were we were we were close. I was I thought it was a couple days out, but well, I apparently didn't even know it was coming at all. <laughs> <laughs> we decided to come back and, and share that that made us laugh. Okay, that's all for now. That's it. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening.